Today's episode of Two Man Advantage is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back again for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Pierre Lebrun in his home, safe, secure in Toronto. And joining us today, huge treat, three-time Stanley Cup champion, one-time playoff MVP, proud, so I was going to say resident, but you're not resident anymore, proud native of Coburg, Ontario, Justin Williams of the Carolina Hurricanes. Justin, thank you for hanging out. And I always ask Pierre at the start, we always, you know, we try and talk about how things are going with the family and how we're putting in time during this. Uh, you've got two kids, 8 and 11, if I recall from our last conversation. How, how are things at the Williams house in the Raleigh area? How are you putting in time? What kind of games are you playing? What are you doing? Well, uh, First of all, thank you for the introduction, and it's a pleasure to be on here with the two-man advantage. I mean, what a treat. Um, <laughs> number, you know, number two here, I'm doing, uh, I, I think, pretty much what every um, other person is doing here. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm, the kids are doing some homeschooling, clearly. Obviously, schools are canceled, so uh, I added the pr- Professor Justin to my, uh, my title. <laughs> And uh, nice. just doing some homework, and and I don't, not quite sure I can get past fifth grade math yet, but uh, I'm definitely close. <laughs> well, and I have to ask you this, as silly as it sounds, but uh, the Brass Bonanza is our intro music to this podcast, and it's a long story. But I used to have the Brass Bonanza as my uh, as my ringtone, the old Hartford Whalers goal song, and I and I I noticed a couple of years ago when. Uh, when uh, Tom Dundon, the, the Hurricanes owner, you know, after he took over the marketing department on your team, Justin brought back the Hartford Whaler Knights. I think once or twice a year, you can clarify that. But not every Hurricane fan seems on board with it. It seems to be a bit of a division there when it comes to Hartford Whalers Night. What's what's your take on it? Oh, I, I think I think you can tell by certainly around the around the NHL, there's so many nights now, right? I mean, every night seems to be attributed to something. So. Um, why not attribute one of our nights or two of our nights, or I think we actually wear them uh, three times a year, maybe um, something around there. Uh, why not attribute it to um, the history of the franchise and the history of the franchise? That's where it started. That's where they moved from. And um, I don't see why anybody would have any issue with it. We certainly have fun with it. We love wearing the green, the brass bonanza is very iconic, as you know, you wouldn't put it on your podcast if you didn't, um, and it's 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 just quite unique, and and it's it's an it's an awesome intro song for you guys, and um, the Harford Whaler nights are are, are a fun night for us. You know, you're getting dressed up. It's like Halloween out there. 
It's a, I, so I always say, uh, it, because most of the podcast is about me, I'm actually working on a piece on the 85-86 Hartford Whalers. And so it's been amazing to you know, talk to the guys from uh, who were part of that team. And there's so many guys who are still you know, deeply connected uh, to the game. Ron Francis, of course, Dave Tippett, uh, Dean Evison. You just go down the list. Uh, Doug Jarvis. So it's been uh, it's been kind of fun for that. Do, do you get to take those jerseys home? Like, do you get to uh, like do you do you have a Hartford Whaler Williams jersey in the closet, or do you have to give them back? Uh, no, I uh, I think they do give us one. They gave us one. Um, um, I think last year was when we started it. They did give us one, but um, some of the guys joked that uh, that. Uh, um, I actually had one from when I played for them anyway, so um, I, I thought it was quite clever if someone came up with that. But uh, you know, listen, it's it's all in good fun. And, uh, I miss that, uh, that that ripping around the dressing room right now. That's for sure. So, Justin, how strange is this? It's strange for everyone right now, obviously. And uh, I mean, we all have the easy part. We, we're just being asked to stay home. A lot of people doing much harder things for the rest of us, aren't they? But uh, but I'm, I'm wondering specifically in your life, this is another stop and start. I mean, you obviously didn't start the season. Uh, you were taking time to figure out uh, if you're going to come back. Scotty wrote a really nice piece with you on that after your comeback. But now you stop again and you're going to have to, if there is a season resumption, do the old startup again. What's what's the 2.0 going to be like? Do you think uh, you know at this point? Or I guess you might say, hey, you just did it, so you know you know the drill. Yeah, I mean, that's why you know what in life, I I, I really try not to make plans. Um, I had this thing all planned out perfectly. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna think about maybe coming back in 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 you know January and and play some games and I should be right up to speed right before playoffs and feeling good and everything should be, you know, great. Um, but it didn't happen that way. Right. I mean, I really just started to hit my stride and started to feel really good on the ice. And, um, I felt like, you know, the catch up that I had to play from missing the, the first two thirds of the season, um, I was really getting back to feeling great, but time stopped. Um, certainly the NHL stopped and, um, now we've had to find ways to to stay in shape, and the problem is, as as any hockey player knows, and, and I'm sure most of your listeners are hockey players or 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 you know play hockey in some degree, or certainly are fans of hockey, that there's no simulation that you can do to simulate skating. There's nothing. Right. You can't go on a treadmill. You 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 can't uh, do a slide board. There's artificial ice. There's so many things that are close but nothing really quantifies um, being on the ice and, and feeling that burn in your legs. And um, the problem is none of us have been on the ice now for, for a few weeks. And um, that's going to be a problem if hopefully this season does uh, continue at some point. Do, do you think about that often? I, I mean, there, there are so many, uh, you know, potential scenarios out there. I mean, the NHL, I mean, Gary Batman was on CNN this week and we had Bill Daly on a couple of weeks ago and like the, it, everyone's waiting for, for their cues from the proper health officials. No one's, you know, rushing back into something that isn't going to be safe. But, um, at some point there, if, if the window opens, uh, you know, the question then, do you play some regular season games do you play some exhibition games how how much time do you need 
to get back up to speed to, you know, what's the playoff grid look like? Do you think about that? Do you guys talk about it in your in the Canes group chat and stuff like that? Or do you try not to clutter your mind up with stuff that is still weeks and weeks away probably? Yeah, I, I mean, there's not much we can do, right? I mean, all these hypothetical situations are exactly that. They're hypothetical. They're maybes. And, and until somebody tells us that we can come back and play at some point, then they don't really mean anything. Um, it's just killing time and, and, and um, just seeing in the group chat, seeing what other guys think. And that's all well and good. But but at the end of the day, there's there's nothing concrete and there's nothing that can be done about it. The problem is when you do come back, um, the quality of the game just isn't, if you don't have the proper preparation for it, then the quality of the game just isn't quite going to be as good. It's, it's um, the product uh, isn't going to be as good as the time when you're ensconced in a season, you've played 60, 70 games, you're hitting the, the final home stretch here. Every game is important. Uh, and then it's just a, a stoplight, you know, just that's it. Everyone take some time off here. You're not going to be able to skate, um, but eventually we're going to come back and we're going to play. And listen, I, I want to play. I, <laughs> you know, I, I came back for this reason. Um, but you can't expect us to be at our best um, when you've had this layoff. But uh, yeah. you're going to need a little bit of time, certainly. I'm not sure how long that is, a week, two weeks, um, to get ourselves feeling good again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's unique for everyone and it's a unique situation. And, but I just hope the Stanley Cup will be awarded this year. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you say that, Justin. I, I, I think you're so bang on. And, of course, you would know better than than a player. But the idea of just jumping into a playoff format, if there's not time for any exhibition games, for example, it, it's scary to me in terms of the potential for injuries, but also the quality of the spectacle, as you say. I mean, it's breathtaking to me every year to watch the first three nights of the playoffs because I can't believe it's the same sport we had during six months of the regular season. <laughs> I mean, the level of physicality and intensity is through the roof. And it's why I think it's, it's the greatest first round of any sport first round of the playoffs in the NHL. And so you, I, I think, I mean, listen, nothing's going to be perfect with all this, but I think it's, there is some integrity involved there in terms of wanting that to be almost the same again. And so I hope for you guys that if there is a resumption that there are exhibition games at least and, and enough of a training camp so everyone can, can ramp things up and that it's safe for the players. But your your old pal Drew Doughty in L.A. made some headlines this week, uh, Justin. I don't know if you saw, but... Uh, and again, you know, Drew, unfiltered. He was asked a question and he answered it. And, and he just... He didn't think there would be a season this year. He, it, and to be fair, he's not saying he doesn't want one. He's just looking at what's going on around him and, and didn't see it line up. Um, what, what, what was your reaction when you saw that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are thinking that, right. The longer this goes without any answers or any, um, talk about when to come back, everyone's just saying, oh, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> sometimes silence, um, is the answer that, uh, um, not necessarily want, but, uh, the real one and, and Drew is real, right? I mean, he is raw, he is real. And, mm-hmm. and he will tell you um, what he thinks. And, and that was uh, always good as a teammate of his, too. Um, so <laughs> for him to say that, eh, 
it's it's <laughs> it's his opinion but uh you know he's kind of just putting it out there of what he thinks and what he sees and what he feels and that's why he is who he is he's a feel guy <laughs> justin i i thought it was interesting i i think you did a um a look back at the first round uh, series against washington and uh think you did some live tweeting with with game seven which may you know still ranks up there i wasn't even in the building still one of my favorite game sevens uh of the playoffs and uh you're a guy who's whose career has been marked by that ability to elevate at the most critical times in the playoffs. Is there a way to describe, and Pierre sort of touched on it, but that that moment where you walk through the door after game 82 and into a playoff locker room and into a playoff game, is there a way to describe just how or why it's different and, and what it's like to be able to raise your game at a time when it's most important? I'm, you know, what what's that like for you especially when you think about because that's what we we should be talking about right now yeah i mean listen it's it's it it's just so different in the fact i mean during the regular season yes i mean you're work your tail off um but there's usually another game right there's there's going to be another game here soon either the next day or the next day after that and you just you plow your way along and in the playoff series it's like both teams are thrown into a room and whoever's going to come out is going to come out. And in the first round of the playoffs, everyone's all gun ho Everyone's ready to go. Um, and that's a lot of the times the most physical series are in the first round. Um, and you think to yourself, you say, well, these guys are going to give everything they got. The guys in my room are going to give everything they got. And the guys on the other side are going to give everything they got. But who can find a little bit more? Everyone's going to empty their tank, but who's got a little bit in the reserve? And 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 that's what it is. It's 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 fighting and clawing, and you have to find a way. At the end of the day, at the end of the playoff series, for them to say uncle and say, "All right, you know what? This is too hard. I don't think we can do it." And sometimes that takes four games, and sometimes that takes double overtime or triple overtime in the game seven. But um, when guys go toe to toe and they they uh, they give everything they got and that's usually what happens, um, things are going to go long and I think uh, series now are are just going longer and longer because um, guys are digging in a little bit more and and they find a little bit more in the tank and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, and I'm always amazed, Justin, how tired you guys look after winning a cup. And I remember Jared Stoll after Alec Martinez scored the the cup winning goal in LA after the overtime on the ice telling me, thank goodness there wasn't another game in that series. Cause he didn't know if you guys had any energy left. <laughs> now I'm sure he wouldn't have said that. And you guys lost that night, but, but I, it just for me hit home how much energy and, and effort goes into to winning a championship and going four rounds. Um, but it, you know, be remiss before we let you go, Justin, um, you know, I asked Joe Thornton this question early in the season pause here because his deal's up and he's turning 40 in July. And I asked him if he would come back and play uh, through after all this. And uh, he said he didn't come back for several more years. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, your, your situation's different because you've kind of outlined it so publicly about, you know, this comeback. But what, what if there is no season? I give you a hypothetical, but uh, would you try and come back again or have you not crossed that? threshold yet in your mind 
Um, I think at the end of the last year, I was very, I was very candid with it. I was very candid with Scott um, in the interview um, earlier on this year that I was just comfortable. I was comfortable not knowing what, what, what was ahead for me. And I certainly am right now, but I feel like getting a t-shirt and just starting them off that says F COVID on, on <laughs> and just yeah. start, you know, handing them out. And I think everybody would just love it. So I'll buy one. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, I mean, that's uh that's what's going on with me. I'm just, I'll be comfortable. Uh, I'm certainly not happy um, if the season doesn't, doesn't progress, but, but hat, but confident in the fact that I'll be okay. Regardless. Um, if, if that was my last game, which I really don't want to think about it, then, you know, that was my last game and I'll deal with it and it would be awful. But um, you know, there's a lot more worse things out there and um, you know, life will go on. Um, but, uh, I, I want to play some meaningful hockey games. That's what I came back to do. What's what I love doing. Um, I love competing against the world's best. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about in, in sports. And, um, we all need it back. We all want it back. Um, we all love watching the unpredictability of sports. That's why we watch because we don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And, um, I hope for our sake and for our fans sake, cause we, or we all need each other, right? They need us and we need them. Um, I hope we can celebrate and play some soon, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I just I had I had one quick one before we let you go, Justin. But uh, you were sort of joking earlier about guys giving you a hard time about actually maybe playing for the Whalers, uh, which didn't quite happen. But the, I I do think it's it's one of the most fascinating dynamics in hockey, and and you're reminded of it. With pictures in the locker room and uh, at uh, PNC Arena of the 06 Cup win, and you and Rod Brindamore are shoulder to shoulder in a lot of those celebratory pictures. Um, what's what's that like to have a guy you played alongside, you won a cup with, you have a great relationship with, and to have him as a head coach? I, I just I always like I, I imagine one day if Pierre was my boss. That would be kind of weird, oh, um, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I wonder what that what it's been like for the last couple of years, a year and a half, uh, up until the pause, um, to go to work every day with Rod Brindamore as as the head coach uh, instead of your teammate. Uh, what's that like for you? It's just the evolution of a hockey player. If you're lucky enough um, to to play a certain amount of time, then eventually. Um, you've gotten to play with some great players and, and through that your friends slowly start to become scouts. They slowly start to become coaches. They slowly start to become GMs. And, and that's the evolution of, 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 of the hockey player. And, and for mine, I don't really, and I don't think Roddy would find that um, as well. I mean, you'd have to ask him, but I, I certainly don't see it as the, as um, you know, the boss employee, um, look, it's, it's, it's totally different than that. You know, I, I walked in one day and I said, uh, I said, Hey coach, he goes, Hey player. And <laughs> it just didn't sound right. And, and so we, 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 that, we totally kiboshed that. That's, that's, that's not what we're going to say anymore. So, um, you know, we're, we're friends and it's, just, it's, 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 uh, I don't even know if that's the right symbiotic relationship. I don't even know if that's yeah. the right word for it. That's but, a good one. I um, like that word. We, you know, we, we just, we play off each other. I mean, his job, his job is basically to help the room, but essentially the room needs to govern itself. And that's what he wants. Right. And, and that's how I'm the liaison between that. 
Um, you want to instill his message and make sure it's heard by everybody and understood by everybody and, and followed by everybody in the dressing room. Um, that's what leadership does. Um, you carry along the, 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 the coach's word um, and, and make sure players are accountable. And for Roddy, um, some guys are just able to make that transition. And, and I know this is such an important um, job for him. I, I know I, it's a tough word saying job, but it's just, it's such an important thing for him. And it's just this, this area and, and him coming to coach here. I mean, this isn't, I'm not sure Roddy will keep doing this for, for years upon years. I don't think I'll look back here in 20 years and see Roddy coaching, but I don't know. Um, you know, mm. it's just something right now that, that uh, he's passionate about and he's passionate about the hurricanes. And that's something that I am as well. So um, as far as the relationship, it's a great relationship. Um and um, just very easy to talk to, to go into a, a coach's office. And, and it's usually an uncomfortable situation, but I just go in there and sit in the chair and he says, Hey, what's up? And let's, let's talk it out. And um, that's a very unique thing to have and something that uh, um, is, is a huge bonus uh, to have a player and a coach who played together. Good. So just as a quick follow-up then, because I, I know that before you just made the final decision and, and did, come back and, and join the, the Hurricanes this year, that you were coaching your son's uh, travel hockey team and you run a hockey camp in the summer in Coburg uh, for a number of years. Do you, do you imagine, like, is that is that maybe, you know, Justin Williams' redux, uh, coaching somewhere, doing that kind of thing? Do you, Can you imagine that when you sort of imagine your future or is it maybe not right in the cards just yet? <laughs> Wherever life takes me is wherever life takes me. But if you look at the hours that these coaches and assistant coaches and video coaches put in, I don't think I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm certainly not ready for that. I'll tell you that right now. These guys are in there hours before we come, hours after we leave, dissecting things and, and because they have to. Um, everyone's looking for that competitive edge. And, and the hours that they put in um, are unbelievable. But um, I don't have to do that much for my son's team. I just uh, go out there and, and bark orders at them and expect <laughs> them to obey it. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, well, right. thanks for joining us, Justin. That was uh, that was that was fun, and uh, I think we're all in need of distraction right now. And, and talking about the game with the passion that you have is uh, is always fun to be a part of. Yeah. Thanks again, Justin. Appreciate it. Pierre, that was fun. I got to tell you, and maybe I mean, there's no question. It is the the pause that uh, you know, you know, everyone deals with this. I, I can't tell you how much I look forward to doing the podcast every week. Now I feel like this, it just re- it reconnects me, and it uh, and certainly it's being able to reconnect with you and and chatting about whatever's going on. But it's it's been great, and it's so great to catch up with a guy like Justin who is you know, unflinchingly honest and, and really an important figure, I think in, uh, you know, just in, in his presence, not just in Carolina, but, but all the teams he's been part of, right. And you think about, man, it's a long career, three Stanley cups, a playoff MVP award. Like he's, well, it just, it's fun to hear his take on things. So I, I feel, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we were able to, to make that happen. Yes, thanks for lining that up. And uh, you wrote a terrific story uh, with him upon his return. And um, I, I think a bit of a predictable return. I mean, I, it, to me, the Mike Fisher one a couple of years ago in Nashville was actually the opposite. It was more of a surprise when he re- returned on anything because he had actually retired. Yes. Yeah. And, and 
come back for a playoff run with the Preds. Whereas I think the moment Justin Williams didn't actually retire but left that door open, I was like, well, I he kind of felt like you knew where that was leaning. Um, and, and you know, it, he's one of the reasons you hope there is a season resumption, right? That that a guy like him uh, gets get one more crack at it, and uh, you know, after the work that he put in. And, uh, you know, we'll see. And, and he made it clear that this is it for him, right? That, um, you know, if there is no season resumption, that uh, he will uh, retire. And uh, that, that would be... Uh, be sad if, if that was his last game, you know, uh, and he won't be alone. I mean, there there's going to be a few other players who we probably won't see on the other side of this if there isn't a season resumption. Well, and I mean, you mentioned Joe Thornton and you t- you talked to Joe and and it's, I think it's, maybe it's a no-brainer. He goes back to San Jose, but we know that Doug Wilson, the GM there, has made hard decisions in the past, made hard decisions on Patrick Marlowe on a, you know, didn't want to give him a three-year deal and he ended up in, Toronto and of course circled back to the Sharks but there's no guarantee that there's a spot for Joe Thornton next year in San Jose and if that's oh I think there is well okay well <laughs> I think Doug it... Wilson has that door wide open for Joe okay, Thornton okay well for fair enough I, that, wants. that's yeah. my sense of it in a way yeah, yeah well and you and you, you you're probably right I guess I'm just saying at this stage given Doug Wilson's history that he's not afraid to make the hard decision in the face of tremendous emotion and obviously there is emotion but you know Joe Thornton's one Patrick Marlowe of course who's you know in a uh, you know not a similar uh, situation or position as, as Justin Williams because Justin's been back in Carolina for a couple of years but you know Patrick Marlowe looking for a cup in Pittsburgh on a really good Pittsburgh team um, and a team in a very crowded metropolitan division you, you know that 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 would have been so fascinating to see, you know, how does Patrick Marlowe fit into a Penguins playoff run, uh, especially... We may yet find out. We may yet find out, it's, but it's exciting. And, and if it doesn't happen, then that, you know, that, that will be another player who you wonder, okay, is is there another is there another opportunity for him? So, um, I, I went, and I didn't, we didn't get a chance to ask Justin Williams this, and it made me think of an assignment you and I are just starting to... Uh, to plow into is looking at which which are the most dominant NHL teams of the last 50 years. And I, I always think about that 2012 Los Angeles Kings team, even though they came in as into the playoffs as an eighth seed. And we haven't even talked about what what is the are the terms or the frame, you know, terms of reference for dominance. But I'm not sure there's been a more dominant playoff team than that 2012 Kings team in in our recent history. Agree, disagree? I you know, weird because that's a, that was pretty impressive run from that. Yeah, I, I covered some of that run, and um, <laughs> two things stand out. One, they went up three nothing in each of the four Correct. series. Correct. Yes, three games to nothing. Number two, they had the. And I could be wrong about this. Someone can check while while listening later today. But I'm pretty confident. I remember that all three deep pairings stayed the same the entire playoffs, that they never had an injury. Yes. They had I a lefty and a righty on yeah. all three pairings for Daryl Sutter. And and like when does that ever happen in modern day Stanley Cup history where you're rolling out the same six D for a playoff run? Um yeah, so that those are the two memories I really have. They were they really were dominant and uh you know they upset the number one uh, seeded Canucks in the opening round and just went on from there. And I remember Dean Lombardi always telling me that the moment in that, uh, there was a moment in that 
first round against Vancouver where Mike Richards just took over and the rest of the team just jumped on his shoulders and um, you know we tend to forget about Mike at times uh, mm-hmm. left the game prematurely but but man he was trading for Mike Richards and for Jeff Carter was just huge moments for that Kings team and of course Justin Williams doing his thing <laughs> in both those playoff runs and and winning the con Smythe in the second one right 2014 yeah from 2014 and it's interesting because he and he and justin sort of alluded to it but just that you know how much is left on well and you you mentioned it too with alec martinez but in and having covered the western conference final in 2014 uh i know i stepped into your territory then but that uh you know again maybe the greatest series i've ever covered was the west final chicago la in 14 seven games just just a titanic back and forth battle just unbelievable hockey all the way through and I love Daryl Sutter and and Joel Quenville refusing to you know try and match lines or do you know really finesse it like almost I'm pretty sure all seven games Jonathan Taze Andre Kopitar head-to-head virtually the entire like both coaches were like listen I'm okay with this matchup and they just went you know head to head every night but at the end of that game at the united center in chicago and i remember being in the in the king's locker room and to to your point just the just how quiet and like it it, you'd swear they you'd walked into the loser's dressing room but they had nothing left there was no celebration they were just gassed and that was you know that's that's the beauty of the playoffs. I guess that, you know, you yeah. feel nostalgic. About I, I, I remember uh, because you robbed that Western final from me, <laughs> I, I ended up doing the East and the, it was the Rangers and Habs. And uh, yep. it turned out to be not very good because Carey Price got run over by Chris Kreider in the opening game. And, <laughs> yeah, the and, you know, minutes my, my point being, you always want to see both teams with their with their yeah, top players. But, but I also remember early in that Eastern final thinking, there's zero chance the winner of this series can beat the winner of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And... I, I love over the years, and we're all guilty of this. So I'm not casting, uh, casting, uh, you know, uh, aspersions, blame, doubt, yeah, aspersions. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Quarantine brain cramp. Um, the the Stockholm syndrome effect of of media that stay with the same team or the same conference throughout the playoffs, and then you get to the Cup final, and it's unbelievable when they make their picks. How it's largely the team <laughs> you've been covering, like you yeah. just. And 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 what amazes me is that in the two LA Cup runs that we got to the Cup final, and I couldn't. And I listen. I, I don't want to sound arrogant about this because I I get as many wrong as I get right, as you know. But those two particular finals, I could not believe anyone thought LA could lose. I just like New Jersey in twelve and the Rangers in fourteen. I just it was such a mismatch to me. And actually, I'll give the Rangers credit because even though it, you know, it didn't go long, I felt the Rangers actually pushed the Kings hard and, and, um, you know, it was, the, the hockey was decent, but there, I don't know. In my mind, there was just no way LA could lose either one of those series. I don't know how you felt at the time. Well, so it's an interesting dynamic you bring up now and I'll tell you mine, but have you had that? Like, have you covered a playoff and mostly like, have you covered a series where at the, when you got to the final or you cover a playoff run and you get to the final and you've been sort of sucked in by the team yeah. that you've been covering. So I'll tell you, so that happened. I remember you and I having this very same discussion in 07 and I was out East and, uh, um, you know, the senators were so good. 
Right. right? I mean, you know, just uh, they just stormed through the East. I think they they I really they, they were, really were. That was a really good team, though. Oh my God! They were, and I think they went twelve and four. Did they, I'm trying to think of. You know, memory uh, without you know actually looking it up, of course. But they beat good teams and beat the Devils and beat a really good oh, they, Buffalo they team. Waxed Buffalo in five, yeah. I think, in and really final. and a really good yeah. Buffalo team that was still you know really top you know top end team coming out of that 0405 lockout. And remember getting to the final, I was like, no way, Anaheim. Like I was, I might have even said like, Ottawa in five, right? Like I just was so convinced. And but you had seen that Duck team and they played. Mm-hmm. And they were just a, they were. A little bit like the Kings, right? And uh, but just uh, yeah. just hard, a hard team. I, I to play actually against. and I had actually picked the Ducks back in September of that year to win the cup. So <laughs> you did which not. Has never Come happened on. for me. Be- I've never got a September <laughs> in the cap era. I've never got a September pick right. Like that's like because that's so much parity, right? I mean to get a yeah, September pick right. But I had picked Anaheim all the way through that year, and I was sticking with it. But I was still surprised how one sided it ended up being. I mean Anaheim really. Just bullied them all over the rink and crushed them. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one I really got wrong because of the Stockholm Syndrome effect is I, I did a lot of Canucks in 2011. And, you know, Vancouver also, I think, won the President's Trophy that year, if I'm not yes, it mistaken. Did. But I was enamored with that Vancouver team. And, and also, I think, enamored with the storyline of, of Vancouver winning its first cup and, and all those things. But it, it, when healthy, that was a hell of a Canucks team. And, I just didn't think Boston had a chance. I mean, man, was I ever wrong as that series played out. I always say that is some of the best theater off the ice we've ever had in a Stanley Cup yes. final. Oh, my God. Some of the worst hockey <laughs> we've ever had in a Stanley Cup final. I really, I know Bruins fans hate hearing that, but the hockey itself was so bizarre. I mean, the crush jobs in Boston and then uh, all of this, I don't know. Yeah, all the weird well, the stuff games happened. in Vancouver were, always, were were much closer, but they weren't very dynamic, right? Like it right. was, it was kind of grindy stuff in Vancouver. And then you're right, the games in Boston were complete blowouts. Like, it, yeah, it was even Game Seven was, you know, sort of an emotional letdown because, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Patrice Bergeron scored the first goal, and like it was almost like every single person in that building, whether you're in the media or not, as soon as that the first Boston goal winning, you're like, okay, that's it's over. Right, no chance that Vancouver wins this game, and it just, yeah, it was a weird final. And I, it's, it is funny that you, you know, how you get attached, not attached, but you follow a team and you see how, you know, you see all of their, you know, their strong points, and you think you're right. This is, and that's that Vancouver team was was really good. I think you could argue that's the best team to not win a Stanley Cup since you know since let's call it for the 0405 lockout. Do you, yeah, I, I would say in the cap era, that's probably the best team that didn't win the cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's some good arguments there with some of the Pittsburgh teams that didn't win, and Washington when they got upset in the first round by Montreal in 2010 would be another yeah. good one. But it's hard to pick them when they lose in the first round. Our, our point mm-hmm. is the Canucks got the game seven right of the right. cup final exactly. Yeah, and and had so many tools. I mean, to have the Sedins on one line and Ryan Kessler on another. Uh, Roberto Longo, unbelievable that year. Uh, it really is crazy. Um, yeah. You know, it, and I think of the Bruins a lot these days because we don't know if we'll have a season resumption. But, of course, the Bruins sitting atop the NHL standings when the pause came and Bruce Cassidy doing such an amazing job again this year with that team. But that team is not built to contend forever here, right? Yeah. No, like, there's a window here and, and uh, you know, there is a team, too, that if there is a season resumption, you know, you you after they lost Game Seven at home last June to St. Louis, 
you'd like to see Boston get another shot at it with Chara and Bergeron and those guys. And, um, you know, people are always wondering if Tuka Ross isn't going to want to stick around that long, right? There's always that, um, that rumor about his future. And, and so the Bruins, and, and I tell you, if there is no season, or if there is a season but the layoff was too hard on them, right? You know how we yeah. talked about how we won't know how teams react? Yes. What if the Bruins, what if 2011 ends up being the only cup that the Bruins win under Chara and Bergeron? Um, I'm not criticizing it. It it is what it is in the parody of the NHL. At least it got one, unlike some other teams. But that would be disappointing, I think, for the type of rosters they've had over the years, right? Over the past decade. Well, here's the interesting part, and you and I have talked about this. And this is, listen, you you brought up Drew Doughty early uh, earlier with our conversation with Justin Williams. And listen, I listen, I, I love Drew Doughty. You can, I love, you know, fresh, raw. He can say what he wants. I, I thought, you know, his comment that, you know, a Stanley Cup awarded uh, this year won't be a real Stanley Cup. I think is completely off base, and and it ties back to something you and I have talked about, and it goes back to um, 2013. Um, 48 game regular season after uh, another labor stoppage early in that 12-13 season and yet that playoff run you know again I I can't ever recall anybody saying oh you know that Blackhawk team you know it was a it was a shortened season doesn't really count no one says that because that playoff series that playoff season was epic there were unbelievable that Pittsburgh Boston Eastern Conference final and the and the Penguins simply couldn't score a goal. Uh, you know Chicago uh, jumping like they they lose what they go twenty three games with a point straight out of the lockout or whatever it was. I mean that was a dominant Chicago team, full value for the Cup, one of the most exciting finishes to a Cup winning game, Game Six in Boston that I've ever been part of. And I, so I I just think and so here I'm circling back to your point. What if it's another paused season and maybe Boston gets its chance now, right? They they couldn't get it done, couldn't force Game 7 in 2013, but maybe 2020, maybe this is their chance to come out of the pause and 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 make good on it. Because I'm, I'm with you. They're, they're a team that they're built... They're built to be a, a cup contender for sure and, and maybe a cup winner. So maybe this is their chance. Yeah, I, I think so. It's funny you mentioned out his comments. I, I, I'm i seeing so many different reactions from hockey fans, both on my Twitter feed and on reader comments on the Athletic website, that I decided to do a poll, Scotty. And I like you. We, in a, I like you. Look at you doing the poll. Well, I... I, I so as we tape this, there's more than 22,000 people that have voted uh, within the first hour of the poll, first hour or two. And um, so by the time, you know, it'll be more later. But I think we've got a pretty good idea already. So the question I asked, and, and again, it's about the legitimacy of a season resumption this summer, right? And so that question I asked is, if the NHL can actually drop the puck this summer, most likely without fans in the rink, are you in favor of a season resumption? Because I'm really seeing a varied reaction to that from the fan base. And so far, again, more than 22,000 votes as we tape this this morning. Uh, the yes crowd is at 57%. And of course, the no crowd is at 43. So not, you know, not overwhelming either way. Because I do think some fans feel that it's an asterisk cup if they play this summer. And so they're part of the 43%. 
Uh, and there may be other reasons that they want to vote no, perhaps feeling that it's not appropriate for sports to be back with all the uh, the tragedy that we're living through. Um, but 57% saying yes, if it's, you know, if it's doable, let's go, even without fans in the rink. So again, it's not scientific, um, you know, always important not to base our life decisions on what Twitter says, but, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, still interesting. I mean, 22,000 votes is 22,000 votes and, uh, yep. 57, 43. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, you, uh, you and I, you and I are on the the opposite divide. Well, so let's close it out here, and I'll ask you, and we'll do this every week until we get an answer one way or the other. But and you've been very candid about being pessimistic that there that we will get back and see hockey again. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoping I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, so I just wonder, as time, you know, it's been a week. Do you feel any different? Do you still feel have that feeling of pessimism, or have you come over to? You know my, you know me. Glass half full. I'm, and I'm. I just, um, I'm. I want to, you know. I, I'm now trying to imagine covering a playoff series in an empty building, and maybe with, you know, f- you know, four teams or eight teams, whatever right. is going to be. I don't safe. think you'll be in that empty building, but I guess that's another thing we'll have to figure out. Where you don't think that? Fits into all this, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, <laughs> might be covering it. Might be covering it uh, from home, but who knows? We'll see. Listen, I I get why the NHL and HLPA really, really want to forge ahead. I mean, aside from the, you know, the part of wanting to to not have another year on their history without a cup, you know, that that happened in 0405 and it still stings for the NHL. It should. It should. Um, But also, um, even without fans, people are like, well, why would they bother if they can't even get gate revenue? And it's a good question. It's an excellent question by both media and fans. And and I've kind of got an answer to it. It's. Um, you know, a lot, a significant portion of the broadcast slash media revenue that the NHL gets, and therefore when you say NHL, NHL, NHLPA, right? 50-50 partnership is generated and paid for by the playoffs. And so there's sponsorship revenue also dedicated to the playoffs. So that's all hanging in the balance here. So if you do have a season completion, even without fans, you're still dipping into those resources. And and so again, from a business perspective, you get it. I also think deep down that I'm guessing the NHL, you know, if you're Gary Bettman, you don't want a second season if you can avoid it that doesn't have a cup awarded, right? I mean, those things... That's uh, a real thing. No, it would completely not be his fault this time, right? Uh, last time it was a, a labor war with the players. And you can decide how you want to look at 0405, uh, you know, in terms of legacy. But this time, it's no one's fault if there's no Stanley Cup. But I still think it matters to the league to, to have a, a cup award. But, yeah, I, I, I just think the reason I'm pessimistic still, Scotty, is that I just, again, I'm just trying to read all the medical authorities and health experts. And I'm trying to figure out how, even in a neutral site, even with no fans, the fact that all these players are going to be bumping each, uh, into each other on the ice and, and you know, having to test these players and what happens if a player tests positive. I don't My mind just gets all boggled that that would just yep. be a few months away. I mean, yep. I guess that's no, I where I, I, I struggle with it. It is interesting as we as we close up uh, this edition of Two Man Advantage um, that uh, Dr. Fauci, the, the face of the, the coronavirus in certainly in the United States and I, I, I think for you know most people who follow we, we all watch them here news. too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 
And, uh, you know, interesting, though, he and he was I think it was an interview with ESPN. And shockingly, he didn't even mention hockey uh, that uh, that would happen. But he, uh, actually, I think he, it was the Associated Press. But no, yeah, no. OK. I saw it. I read it on the ESPN site. But anyway, the uh, this idea that, oh, you know, he sort of, again, opens the door to. You know, here, here's how you could do it uh, without fans, with uh, teams basically sequestered in big hotels. And, you know, like, again, this we don't know yet, but at some point in the next eight weeks or whatever it is, if we get to the beginning of June and see where the landscape is, um, who knows, right? And that's I just think it's interesting to hear from people like that about, okay, well, you know, here what kinds of things might work. I know Major League Baseball doing massive study, looking at antibodies on how to test for, you know, people who've been in, uh, exposed to uh, COVID-19, all those kinds of things. It, it just Lots of people thinking about not this for specifically for hockey or for sports, but how do we get back on track? And these are important questions that'll be asked and answered. And it'll be fascinating to see how or if sports falls falls into that uh, dynamic once we get a plan to move forward. So, hey. mm-hmm. plus, I want to go. I want to go and cover. I want to go and see some playoff hockey. That's that's and it's all about me, as you know. <laughs> Well, and, and uh, if they go late into August, um, you know, they may have to delay the next season to November. But still, as we've talked about, they would want to have a full two-game season, which would mean the playoffs go out into late June next year. But anyway, we'll see if all that can play out. I mean, there may not be fans in the stands for a year. Who knows? I mean, if, if, if health authorities don't want large gatherings until there's a vaccine, I mean, boy, pro sports is looking at a whole different dynamic here for quite a while. That's true. Uh, All right. Before we go, um, we are not the only podcast on the Athletic Network, as you well know. And this week, Shea Weber, captain of the Montreal Canadiens, joins former teammate Shane O'Brien and the Athletic's Josh Cooper at Point Breakaway. Uh, Also, Bruce Boudreaux. You know what? I re- I texted Bruce and, and yeah, see Mike Russo's cutting our lawn here. But uh, the <laughs> former head coach of the Minnesota Wild is Mike Russo's guest at Straight from the Source uh, this week on the Athletic. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you should always. Uh, and I, and listen, I'm on a roll here, and I'm going to spread some love around. Uh, Claude Noel, one of just such a terrific guy to talk hockey with. I don't know if you ever catch up with Claude, but Claude Noel joins mm-hmm. the boarding pass with Ken Weeb and Murat Atez on Thursday, and uh, that's of course out of the Winnipeg, fine Winnipeg Jets coverage from the Athletic. And uh, do, do you ever listen to any of the other it, podcasts? I was just gonna say, right, do you want to plug about nine more athletic podcasts while you're at I, it? I think that's it. Think I, I feel now? like I, I think I'm right. I think I've done my uh, job. Here. Uh, also, if uh, you're listening, we hope you are. Uh, don't forget to please rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com/slash Two Man Advantage, you'll get forty percent off your subscription to the Athletic. So you should do that. Pierre, I hope you have a safe and healthy week, my friend. I can't wait to see what we come up with a week from now. I'm, I'm, I'm already pumped to looking forward to next week. Right on.